You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Hello and welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, the 14th of September. We are going to have a fantastic show. We are going to be talking about WoW and be forewarned, we are going to be spoiling things. So if you haven't finished all of the zones or if you are one of those types of people who don't like anything spoiled, you've been warned. Put this episode aside and come back to it later. Everybody else, get ready for some fun. Also, well, fun because Vince isn't here. <laughs> There you go. That's a win-win right there. And we've Man, got, he is he's just going to be so mad when he gets Yeah, bad. really. You he's bastards talked about, about something that I'm so passionate about. Yeah, right. Uh, to fill his place, we kept the estrogen level up, and we brought in Chestnut from Twitter. So at Chestnut, or Nutjob, if you are a friend. So welcome <laughs> to the show. Great to have you here. You also podcast. Why don't you tell folks about that? Um, I am on the Wildcast podcast, which is part of Mognation. It is a Wildstar podcast, so if folks are interested in Wildstar, they should come check us out. I still bounce in every once in a while, but I have not played that much lately. I had a lot. Anybody who follows me on Twitter knows this. A lot of problems with Wildstar for a while, and it wasn't running. And I had been running, of all things, I'd been running it on my freaking Surface tablet, and it had been running perfect. And that's how I ran it for like a year after it came out. And then I tried to run it on my fucking PC, and it kept crashing all, all the time. I tried running it on my Mac in boot camp. It was crashing all the time. So I kind of gave up on it. They've patched it a little bit and also the the driver. So it's a little bit smoother. So I still bounce in, but really took the wind out of my sails for them, especially when the support and I'm air quoting here is like, you wouldn't fucking believe support tells Strap me in, this is going to be a while to uh, no, no, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Tell, Okay, fine then. I won't even say it. Okay, anyways, we're not talking about Wildstar anyways. We're talking about fucking WoW. And if you're just going to block me anyways, Chris, it's not like you're not going to have time to talk later. You could have no, let no, me no, add my ahead, one little saying. Okay. story about you battling with their support and their basic level instructions. Please continue. No, 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 no. We're going to move on. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the the different zones, obviously, and what we thought about not just the zones, the quest and... Not just the questing, but also just the zones in and of themselves, because it's one of those things where I noticed it, especially as I was playing, because with most expansions, there's a lot of space to move around still, you know, not all of them. But like you look at some of the other newly introduced zones and there's a lot there, whereas this is a pretty small area. And so when you get comparatively, yeah. Yeah, so when you get through, like, one of the zones, like Valshara, you get through there, and it's like, it just feels small as well. And because each of the zones is fairly segregated, it I found, in terms of just plain design, that it did feel a lot more claustrophobic. There was not near as much, not just presence, but presence in terms of the NPCs you see there, of the the mobs that are around there, not just to fight, but to tame if you're a hunter, of the, the pets. You fucking you barely see any battle pets anywhere. Um, and, and also just in terms of, when you think about it, in, in terms of 
a zone that you can go back to later on or do you say on an altar, whatever kind of thing. It doesn't have that same presence as as much as I hated that goddamn rock, the zones in Outlands, as an example, or Northrend, just has this this feeling of a lot more scale to it. And that had an impact, actually, on my enjoyment, not enjoyment so much as immersion in it. I don't know if either of you felt the same way. Nope. What about no. you? No? Yeah, see what you're what you're saying is and I've heard this from a few a few uh people and I get it. I do. Part of the part of that I think has to do with the the flow of the zones, right? Um where everything is compartmentalized here, which is part and parcel with the whole choose your own adventure style that they're going for. There's not a, an easy flow through the zones like there was in Ice Crown or the other expansions. So that's a key thing that's missing. There's no breadcrumbs that lead you between zones. There's no story that leads you between zones. You finish the story of the zone and it's done or, or mostly done. And if you're talking about like Valshara or, so, or, or, or stuff like that, um, and then you move on to the next one. And I, and I get that because what we've had for a lot of the other expansions is you start, even when you have a choice between which area to start, and, and Northrend is the perfect example of this. You have two areas where you could choose to start. Even there, you still had a logical progression of where you went. And so everything felt interconnected and it had a feeling of being bigger than it is. Um, the zones here are actually some of the largest that they've ever put together which is really weird for me to hear you say that they feel so small, but I think I understand why. And I think it's because they feel disconnected from the whole. I don't know if that actually, if you look at it in terms of the maps, like you could put the entirety of the broken islands on in like dragon blade. So then Uh, when you're not with, not with landmass, no, if you do the actual run through from coast to coast, it's about the same size as Northrend. Well, then they're lying in terms of the scope when you're looking at the map, because when you're looking at the map, it looks a hell of a lot smaller. And I personally felt as I was running through it that it did feel quite a bit smaller. So that's that's again, for me, that was a very noticeable impact on immersion. Maybe it's not for everybody, but it definitely was something that I noticed. And again, I've been playing since beta, just like you, not consistently, but I have played throughout the years. So it's something that I never felt at all throughout all of them. And it's something that I notice as we talk about other games and other MMOs and whatnot. Like it's something that I have noticed in other MMOs that do that, that have that feeling like they're in a corridor. Uh, Star Trek Online was a good one for that. Mm -hmm. It really felt confined and i find that most of these zones felt very much like that as well yeah and and i think though like i said i think most of that is just served by the fact that each of the the stories are kind of their own thing like after you choose your your starting place uh, not to say that the stories are bad i absolutely love the stories in the vast majority of the zones with a very small exception uh but there's they're all contained like they're I don't want to say they're on rails, but for lack of a better oh, term, once you once you start that zone, you are you're led from you're very led from much, yeah. place to place to place. There's lots of hidden quests. There's lots of random things in the zones. Um, but what I do find that's interesting here is you are actually encouraged to complete the story in the zone. And they reward you for that where previously in the expansions they didn't when you like, you know, We'll use Mr. Pandaria, for example, when you hit a certain level, you you left the Jade Forest, whether or not you 
had more quests to do there because if you were still leveling, if you were that type of gamer, you ignored the rest of the zone to just go to where you were getting the actual XP. Not everybody's like us where, oh, it's story. I'm going to stay here forever until the story is done, which is what I do in every game I play. But not everybody's like that here. They kind of marry the two. So you could be starting in Azuna and go from level 100 to 103 and just finish the quest and be comfortable there because of the scaling. So it's I think it's a blessing and a curse. And I think it has allowed them to tell some some interesting stories within the zone. Um, some probably could have been a little more fleshed out and better, but we'll get into that when we start breaking down each individual zone. And I liked the fact that they were all sort of self-contained because I am that completionist lore person. So it was nice to be able to feel like I was finishing a zone, especially after coming back to the game so late in Draenor. Like, I completely missed Mists of Pandaria, um, and I spent, like, maybe two months in Draenor before Legion. So it was nice to have that sort of self-contained story that I have an idea of what's going to happen. So. That's, that's how you want to level in Draenor basically the shortest amount of time possible and just <laughs> exactly. get the fuck out of that zone so that you know I actually, running. <laughs> that's gonna lead me to a question so you were gone for a little while when and this is gonna sound like a question when did you like start in the game like when did you start playing um i don't remember the year <laughs> uh, 2008 2009 i started playing i think okay um and then what I was the expansion off. I started in Burning Crusade. Oh, yep. And then I fell off in November, December 2011 um, because I didn't have any interest in pandas and my gaming interests were sort of like expanding. Like I'd only ever played WoW. I kind of wanted to explore other games and stuff like that. So I just kind of left it to the side. (laughs) So I guess a follow up then. So since you're saying that you enjoy how they did the stories here, how do you feel that your experience coming back to Legion compared to, you know, let's say dropping in a Burning Crusade? Oh, that's going back a hell of a long way now. I like it because it's a lot of the same sort of thing. So, like, um, Queen is Shara, and I'm assuming Lady Vash is going to play a part in that, and that reminds me a lot of Zangermarsh. Um, I love all the the Torin High Mountain stuff because um, I'm a Torin at heart, and I don't know. It, I I kind of feel connected to Burning Crusade in a way. Like I can see a lot of parallels. I mean, the Illidan thing does help. Um, so, yeah, I was actually very interested about that, and you know, as I'm I'm, I'm sort of tied to those uh, games as well because you know, Burning Crusade was the first expansion for me, so a lot of this stuff is like. Oh, this, you know, I see the, the parallels and the tiebacks and stuff like that. I was just, I was curious. I was, I was wondering how the how that was for somebody returning to the game. You know, I feel like there's more parallels in Legion to Burning Crusade than I felt like there was in Draenor to Burning Crusade, um, which I feel is a little bit ironic because lead or um, yeah, we were actually Draenor on the planet, is, yeah, yeah. So yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Roger. <laughs> trying to remember what i was gonna say now <laughs> it's your gone. age showing it's okay it has nothing to do with that Trust Ooh, me. It's, and it's, i like her she's starting in on the age already man's and wine honey <laughs> it has nothing to do with age all right no um actually one of the other things that, oh there that's what i was gonna say the you, you brought up burning crusade and i just find that it's very ironic that i feel that even though it is like a decade ago damn near now burning crusade did a lot of things better than legion has and that's not how an MMO should go. 
It, well, it should get now. That's not to say this doesn't do some things better. Certainly, but there's a lot of things that I felt were kind of better at the time with, and even now to a certain degree with with Burning Crusade. So now, in terms of again the 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 zone and whatnot, we're talking about it. In terms of the look of it, now this is something where in you were saying, uh, Nutty, that um, you. you didn't play Miss and whatnot because you didn't have any interest in the pandas. However, the thing about Miss, regardless of what you thought about the pandas, was that it was fucking drop dead gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not just for someone who appreciates Eastern influences in games, but it was just so beautiful. And one of the things that I noticed with Legion immediately is that while there were some things that I certainly appreciated and thought were pretty and well done, Overall, there was there were very few spots, very few um, mobs, very few anything that blew me away in terms of holy fuck, this is gorgeous. You know, I tend to agree with you on that, except in Suramar City. Okay, I haven't been in there yet, so yeah, I can't speak so, to that. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but Suramar City is probably where all of the wow factor for like the visuals and the vistas and, and everything goes. Um, Cause Suramar city winds up being the type of fantasy city you expected wow to have way back when in vanilla. It's, it's really interesting. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Cause that's sort of the, the end game area, but I, I do feel you like I didn't really have any of those. Oh, this is amazing moments or, Oh, I have to stop and take a screenshot oh, of this or, Aside from, you know, maybe one or two in High Mountain and one or two in Stormheim. Yeah, I took next to no screenshots. That's funny because I took a bunch of screenshots and I don't know if it's attributed to I'm returning. So I'm like, oh, look at that pretty scene and that pretty scene. And I like the way the moon is hanging there. Or if it's just like I really found it that pretty. So, yeah, there were very few spots that I thought of that I was blown away. The, the And it applies as well to like the order halls as well, which we'll get into in a little bit as well, wherein I haven't done them all, but I have done three. So I did the Druid, the Warrior, and the uh, the Death Knight, or not Death Knight, the uh, Demon Hunter, of course. And none of them blew me away. The, the Warrior one was very interesting with Valhalla and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's cool looking. It's actually my favorite because it's fucking direct. You go this way for this shit. You go that way for that shit. Meanwhile, the druids, it's a hot mess. <laughs> the druid <laughs> dream grove is a pain in the ass to navigate around. I fucking hate it. And then the demon hunter one is like, eh, whatever. We've seen this a lot. It really does not impress me in the least. So I don't know about the other ones, what you guys thought. Oh, I mean, I really love the shaman one. Um, not you are lie, very sh- prejudiced about that, though. What do you mean? A, it's no your favorite class, no and you have about. yeah. Listen, it's not like I get paid to play a shaman or anything. Shut up. Uh, no, no I, I, but I do. I do actually. I do actually enjoy the visual of it because it does feel like something that would be very shamany. Like it overlooks the maelstrom. It has these elemental ties between all of the four elements, and all of them are interwoven in their own little sections very well. Um, and it's it's interesting because everything is jammed up towards the front. Uh, so if you need and to do anything aside from touch your artifact, you are in one spot as soon as you zone in. Everything's right there. You don't have to worry about it. And then everything else is flavor. And I like the fact that it has sort of the, these flavor areas. It has like these these calm little hidden areas. It feels very shamany, very reflection to me. I really like the hunter one as well. 
I think True Shot Lodge is uh, gorgeous. I think it is absolutely phenomenal as far as like uh, an aesthetic goes. It feels like uh, a collaborative of hunters actually do live there. Um, there are some weird design aesthetics there though too uh like having the notes just covered by leaves just randomly because you know that, that keeps them secure just just having leaves nothing says hunter like a pile of leaves on top of your important research papers about the legion but you know that that's a thing um and the lights hope temple is interesting to me uh visually i think it's cool because it's one of those things where players have always wondered what the hell's been under lights hope temple since you know watching arthas get bitch slapped essentially uh <laughs> And then you go underneath and it's like, oh, there's an entire cathedral down here. And that's kind of cool. Wait, why is sunlight coming in underground? I don't I don't understand that. And because that's because holy paladins are behind the windows. Clearly, that's the only thing I can think of. We summon the light and put it in little bottles and put it on the shelf so that it looks like sunlight's coming in through the windows. You know, like it's one of those moments. And it, it it's weird, but it's also really cool. Like the the architecture of it feels like. Uh, an old school paladin temple. And I like that. I like some of the vibes I get from that. Um, I haven't really done much of the other ones recently, so I don't know how much they've changed. Right. What about you, Peanut? <laughs> I'm, I'm just counting how many names you have for me today. Um, I'm only played the warrior so far because I'm trying to get up to raid. Um, but I was actually telling a guildy last night that I felt kind of, like it was off-putting to all of a sudden be shoved on a beach with some Rykel and go, here you go, go do things. And I was like, wait, why am I with a bunch of Rykel? How did this even happen? Like, what am I doing here? And then I realized it was my class hall quest, and I'm like, I'm still confused <laughs> as to why I'm with Rykel all of a sudden, and there's no lead-up. But I like the class hall. Like, it's very easy to get around, and yeah. I kind of like the feel of it, and that there are other players there, so it's not just stuck in my garrison alone. I like the... Uh the, the Valkyries flying all over the place. Like yeah. that's a piece of just ambient lore that I like. And, th- and that's mm-hmm. where I'm feeling there's not enough of that in other zones. And that's definitely something that I, I, I did like. I also like that instead of portals, like again, the freaking dream grove is portals all over the fucking place. So it's like somebody dropped a basket and they all tumbled out. all yeah, over The, the, the dreamway is a little weird. It is a pain in the ass. Whereas with the warriors, it's like the freaking Valk- Valkyrie shoots you, you over jump. the edge. <laughs> you jump. I love that shit. That's that's awesome. Well, and I love going up. It's like a power leap. Like, I can just imagine my yeah. character, like, a fist up in the sky, like, going up there. Now, the one thing that I will say I do appreciate the look of is the artifact weapons, which is actually surprising because it was one of the few things that when I'd looked through a lot of the skins beforehand, it was like, eh. I'm not that impressed. And I maintain there's some that aren't all that impressive. Ironically, a lot of the Demon Hunter ones do nothing for me. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, a little, yeah. the default Guardian, I, I managed to get all of the weapons on my uh, my Druid. So that means four fucking weapons to carry around now. The, um, the, the Guardian ones especially are freaking awesome. The big goddamn mitts that are on fire. And that's just the default look. And it looked awesome. And then the warrior, I'm a fury warrior. So I had the two blades and those blades were fucking awesome. Even just the default look of them, they look fantastic. So that's something that I know that they put a lot of time into that. And it does show for, again, not all of them, but certainly some of them, you really can't appreciate the look of them. I actually really I got I don't know how I got this lucky. I got the hidden artifact appearance on my first instance run uh, for my rest artifact. <laughs> so I have oh, this yeah, cool, I 
I, and it's it's totally like this this uh Casa Doom style like serpent scepter from Conan and I friggin' love it. So what spec are you on your uh your warrior? I'm tank spec and I'm kind okay. of like let down by the shields so far because shields are my favorite things and I feel like it's kind of meh like uh, there are so many other cooler shields that are out there and I I just would rather transmog it at this point. That's what I've done with my Demon Hunters warglaives. I mean, mm-hmm. we've we've wanted warglaives forever for our characters. They're gorgeous. And meanwhile, I finally have them on a character and it's like, yeah, we're changing the look of that. <laughs> I'm not running around with that. Not shit. enough skulls. We need to work out 40k this thing. That is oh, fucking skulls. ugly as shit. So I'm hoping it will get better later on and I'll get some drops. Okay, let's move on to some of the actual zones right now because I have completed two, three. I completed three and I'm halfway done. Uh, two, one. I can't remember now. But yeah, no, I, no, I'm almost done one, and I completed three, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't played for a few days, and I haven't gotten to Suramar yet. Now, we, we, Joe and I have obviously talked quite a bit about this already, and there's some zones that I'm blown away by the questing, and I mean, not necessarily all of it, but certain aspects of it were were good. I am at a point in, um. I'm at a point with MMOs where I'm a lot more critical now of kill 10 rats and fetch quests. And I think that it is lazy development to rely on that this late into the game. I mean, I can appreciate it originally. I can, but we're talking like well over a decade ago and I can appreciate it to a certain degree that you need certain types of quests have to follow that logic. So I, I get that, but far too many of them are shoehorned into that mentality just to make you go out and kill shit. Now there were some here and we'll talk about some of them. I'm sure in, in each of the zones that were not that, which I immediately picked up on and loved the, I think that in this expansion, it feels like they tried a little bit harder. Unfortunately, it still feels like there were far, far, far too many of the kill 10 rats and, and escort or fetch quests. Not so much fetch, I should say, but a lot of the escorts. Joe, what did you think overall? I, I honestly, like, I know there was a good deal, a mountain of them, but every MMO I play has them, so I don't, it doesn't really affect me like that. But it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter that they all do it. There I, has to be a point where we're saying, okay, fuck, enough is enough. All but of what you. Do you. But then the question is, and and, and, and here, in, and this is what I always ask myself, if you were to change it, if you were to replace it with something, what would you do? And, and, I, don't sim- have a, and I don't have a good answer. Because for you're not paid to. That's my immediate answer, because if somebody wants to come back to me and say, well, fine, if you're so fucking smart, what would you do? A, I would get paid so that I can think tank this out, plan it out and come up with something more original. So, no, I haven't been. So I haven't sat around for hours wrestling around what types of quests would work and things like that. That's the job of the fucking devs. So I don't feel that that's an adequate argument. Hey, okay, and that's and that's your opinion, and you're more than welcome to have I, it. Like I, I said, it's, it's share it. As I've been it. playing more, I am getting a lot more critical of that shit now. And you, it, you want it, people to stop standing in your lawn? We we understand. We feel for you. That's been established for many years. Many years. Not. What about you? Um, uh, 
I mean, it's kind of run of the mill. uh, I don't know. It's underwhelming to get those quests, but at the same time, it kind of makes the quests that aren't that way a little bit more memorable in a way. What zone did you start off with? I started with Valshara. Right. Okay. Why? So. Why did you choose that one? Um, because I played a druid, uh, for like, that was my main for so many years. And I'm like, I love druids and it's Malfurion and I'm going to go do the druid storyline. And, um, so that's why I chose it. And then I kind of regretted it (laughs) (laughs) doing it first, but for a plethora of reasons, but. Yeah, I think I think Valshara was one of the weaker zones for me as far as like the way that I can like rank them. It's towards the bottom and partially is because it's incomplete. Actually, it would be one of my top ones. It would be really one of I'd put it below Asuna myself, but I was not nearly as enamored with High Mountain as you were, Joe. And, and that's fair. And I understand that I'm unabashedly a fan of cows and, and that totally takes oh, my dude, that, power. That ain't yeah. it. I love freaking Torrens. Always have. My very first character was a Torrens druid. So like I, I love Torrens and I love the Torren quote unquote, North American Indian mythology as well. And the manner in which they do think I really, and I like a lot well, of the characters, but I felt that the zone in and of itself, the, the questing, with a few very noticeable exceptions, was kind of lackluster overall. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not saying that the the questing there was the absolute best thing because it was a lot of uh, uniting the, the the forces under the banner thing. Uh, but there were some good standouts there. Valshara for me, the reason that I say that it's it's towards the the bottom is because one, it's all over the place. Uh, two, the nightmare aesthetic doesn't resonate with me very well. I'm not a big fan of it because I don't know what it is about night elves and why they succumb to the nightmare so goddamn easily, but it's getting really fucking annoying, really fucking quickly. It's like, oh, I had a bad dream. Well, better murder the world. Yay. Like that's what elves. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? They, they, they're, they're more destructive to the world than we are. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but like that's and that's what it felt to me is that it relied a little too heavily on the nightmare side of it. And I get that it's a key part of it, but it's also incomplete, even though you wind up going to the Darkheart Thicket as part of your questing, which is the the dungeon where you fight off the shade of Xavius and how he's doing the corruption there. Um, and that's part of your your whole tier of a loon thing that ends there. And there's more to do with it later when the raid opens up. And a lot of that story doesn't get tied up, doesn't get resolved, doesn't have anything further than that until the raid is released. And we've talked about this in the past. I don't like when the raid becomes required to the story. And I know you feel the same way, Roger. And that's part of the problem that I have with it is because the story is not done. Whereas the other zones, everything is more or less done. Like the main story arc, this one is unresolved. And that that kind of rankles with me. That said, I did find some really cool standout moments in particular. Uh, and, and you know, again, spoilers, you guys had noticed by now. So but you have the corruption and the death of Ysera and the tear of a loon, which was one of the more heart wrenching moments because Ysera is one of my favorite characters. Yes. I absolutely adore her. But that was another thing. She literally, okay, she's no longer an aspect. Oh, the shade of Xavius was able to corrupt her by throwing a nightmare seed at her. Like, yeah, that was pretty easy. That was a pretty easy way to take down a big goddamn dragon. 
Yeah. I mean, like, like seriously. Throw like, a I mean, stone at it. <laughs> it that, and that's what irritates me because even despite not being not being an aspect anymore, these were still the biggest dragons and the leaders of their flights. There's no reason she should have been that susceptible to whatever happened. Okay, fine. That happened. We move on with our lives. We go, we go about it. The final sequence where you're squaring off against her in the middle of the temple of a loon and you have to kill her. It was heart wrenching because it was one of those things where it's like you as a player don't have a choice, quote unquote. And which is interesting to me, too, because it kind of flies against what has already been established in the past. Did you know that they have a cure for satyrs? They can turn them back into elves. No, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that. They established that way long ago, way long ago, Burning Crusade. And it's reinforced here. It's like if you can cure satyrs who have devoted themselves to a dark fucking god, have devoted, devoted themselves to the void, which is the source of the nightmare, why couldn't you maybe cure Ysera? I'm confused. See, so I, I, by that point, I was accepting that this was the expansion where everybody's dying. But not everybody dies. Bad shit thing. is happening to everybody. Three people, like three majors, really. Well, Malfurion is not dead. I thought he died at the. Nope. You save his ass in the Darkheart Thicket. You go in there so Tehran can have her husband back. You beat the shit out of the ghost or shadow of Xavius and you take him out of the pot. Mm -hmm. Like he's not dead. He's alive. Okay. yeah. Captain Captain Goldeyes 2.0 is not allowed to die. (laughs) I'll come back to that later. But I will say the the entire sequence where, you know, Ysera does die and what's left behind, I did think that was a very interesting moment. And it was one of those things where uh, there's a lot of little cut scenes in this expansion yeah. at the end of arcs. There's also a lot of uh, voice acting, which is good and bad. There's some really good voice acting. And then there's some people where they like got Jimmy from like the mailroom like, yo, we need a voice. Get over here. Um but like that sequence, I thought was really well done with the, you know, a loon sort of showing herself a little bit and spawning a brand new tier of a loon um, at the site of the death of Ysera, her fate, one of her favorite daughters. And it was one of those moments. And then and then, you know, us being the adventurers, we snatch it and take it back to Dalaran because, you know, hey, we got our shit. Let's go. Uh, you go you go cry about your fallen friend. I'm going to go be in the floating city of, of Dick. Major. Listen, Cadgar gave us a fucking shopping list. Okay, of shit that he needs. <laughs> it's our job to go get it and not bitch about it. And it's funny you should mention the the not having any choice either. I was doing a quest and it was on my Demon Hunter? I'm checking. Yeah, I think it was on my Demon Hunter. It was my, my Alliance one. And so because I haven't seen the quest on the the Hortz. No, because it was my Torn. Mm-hmm. So it was my... Uh, my uh, my Madrid, but anyways, I was. Uh, it sent me back to go and uh, hook up with Velen, and then go into the Exodar. The Exodar. And we're, yeah, we we're going to talk about that. That's that's something that happens to everybody. See, I didn't get to that point on any of my other characters, so I, I don't even fucking know how I what it's, happened. It's a it's a level thing that triggers. Okay, so see, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so what winds up happening is you finish, by the time you finish a zone, like you get like 103 and 104, somewhere around that that area, um, that quest triggers. That's independent of the zones. Oh, okay. 
Um, and that's called The Light's Heart. And that's actually really important because that is a story that keeps going throughout the course of the expansion. And I don't know how far you got on that. Did you get, do like the you know, back it, flashes and things like that? Or it's no? funny because I have characters higher level than him that still haven't done it. But anyways, um, before we get too far into it, my point was I, I got to the point where I'm downstairs with Velen fighting off what's-his-face amulet Rikish. dude. Yeah. And, uh, and then he's saying, like, stop fighting him. So I stop fighting him and fucking Velen starts attacking me. I'm going, you told me to stop. I'm not hitting him. And you have no choice. You have to kill mm-hmm. the the demon thing. Yes. And that kind of of writing, because it comes down to, to the writing, pisses me off because it just it makes again, it takes you out of the game entirely and it 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 makes it very clear, very apparent that you have no control and you got to do whatever the fuck they want you to do. Yeah. That quest felt like a fucking cop out, man. Like the story it yeah. felt like a fucking cop out just to like try and string your heart along. <laughs> yeah, and, well, that's the other thing too. Okay. That. Let me ask you this, Joe, because you read the big bad book of freaking wild encyclopedia. Yep. Was that ever mentioned that he had a kid? Uh, yes, actually, it was. Okay. he had a family that that was established in the stories. He did have a family, and he lost his family when the Eridar became a thing when he fled. Okay, in the stories, like in the online and whatnot, or in the actual game Everywhere. as well. In the in the game, they mention it very, very, very briefly. Because I don't um, even remember it in the game, and I've played uh, Drenai, and I don't when, recall that anywhere. It was it was when you did the whole like Valen teaches you about like whatever X Y Z he mentions like you know the memories of his family that's it it's there is a mention of it um, it's not in the the chronicles because chronicle doesn't go into individual character lore too much it's more about these events occurred type thing and then they talk about the, the individual titans um, but in the Illidan book uh, they talk about stuff like that in a lot of the other books anything that involves Jirjanai and the Eridar there's mention of at least, you know, the loss of the families of the great three, which is, you know, Sargeras, Kiljaden, and Velen. See, I felt as I was playing, it was like, what the fuck is this? This is a cheat. Throw this in and it's, I had never, again, been playing 12 fucking years, never, never knew that was a thing. Yeah, and for, and and that's, and that's my, my thing is like, it feels like a, a TV show sucker punch for people that don't, do nothing but read the, the the stuff like I do. So I could definitely see where that would be a thing. That said, what is cool about that quest, though, um, is what that light shard turns out to be, which I think is kind of cool. And it's the core of the very first Naru, which is kind of interesting. And this goes actually ties into the Illidan novel a little bit. Um, this is the one that gave Illidan the holy boop. Uh, as we like to call it, where he got like the blessing of the Naru, so to speak. Um, and that's you start this opens up a whole bunch of quests where you start going through the the past of Illidan and you get to witness like his birth and, you know, the, the stuff around that. You get to witness his being cast out from the Druid uh, order. You get to witness him becoming the leader of the Sorcerer Society for the Night Elves. And it goes through and it fills in all these gaps that we've heard about but never really experienced in game. And they're beautifully rendered uh, like scenes. I've probably taken more screenshots 
from those sequences than I have anything else. Um, and this is all, um, I think it's Zareth is the actual Naru. Um, just teaches you about like, you know, quote unquote destiny. And I understand that it's lead up and I get that. And I know that it's all going to be about, this is why Illidan is important, why you should give a shit about him. Uh, but it's still really well done as far as like presentation goes. If the content isn't a little bit predictable that I don't know what else happens though, because I'm at the part of that storyline where, you know, I'm now going to need to start going to raids and stuff. So we'll see what happens. So, not, what about you? Like, when you were doing that, were you aware of all the back history? No, and that's, like, I'm big on the lore, and I've, I haven't made it through my chronicle yet. I'm about a quarter of the way through. But um, it, I, I kind of, like, it's always been a sense of pride for me that I know all this lore, and, like, people can ask me the lore, and I know, like, what to say and stuff like that. But, I like, that completely hit me out of left field, like, with the with his son and crap. And I'm like... This feels like a stinking cop out. And now we can't do anything with the stupid shard. God, this is terrible. Like, that was my first feeling. I'm like, well, what the fuck was this quest for if we can't do jack shit? <laughs> Did you read the Illidan book? No, not yet. I haven't read it either. I'm going to have to read that. It's on my list of things to buy off Amazon. It's just a timing thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's going to help at all with any of this, make sense of some of it, that'd be worthwhile. Well, yeah. it's the best thing that I can say is the Illidan book, and and it's not going to answer all of your questions, but it is the prequel to Burning Crusade and the prequel to Legion. Like, it's it's both. It fills in gaps. See, one of the things that I did like about the... And we're not going to go too, too much into this because we already have the the demon hunter uh starter area was in fact those ties to illidan and when it, especially when it went back to black temple so like those were neat elements and i certainly wish that they had done a lot more of that and sadly they're that's actually one of my gripes really so as classes go all of the classes seem like they have agency in all of the zones right like they have representation somewhere um, whether you, even if you count Dalaran, demon hunters don't like aside from a little staging area in Azuna, a small little area in high mountain. They got one in Valshara as well. Don't they? I, if, if I'm not mistaken, the very first area, isn't it? No, that's Did Azuna. You, I thought there was Valshara as well. Am I? Well, no, am, I don't think it was I could Valshara. be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was just Azuna and high mountain are the only places where they have established camps essentially. And even then, they're like, if you're not doing Azuna and you're not battling against the demons right there, which doesn't last nearly long enough, there's only a handful of NPCs that you interact with at all. And unless they have something planned later for them, they're underutilized. And there's some really cool characters in here. Uh, there's some really cool demon hunters that have been, you know, from the past that have been brought back. And and while they, yes, I know some of them appear on the, the ship, the Fellhammer. Um, they could use them elsewhere. They're not present in Dalaran. They're not really present anywhere else. It's like, so here we have this group that you made an argument to bring them into your group as, as far as like you, a useful weapon against the Legion. And they're not there. That's, uh, that's a gripe I have. I want to, I would love to have seen them used a little bit more. And yes, there are some zones, some, some dungeons like black or cold, and uh, the vaults of the wardens where they become a little more present, but they're relegated to those. And the vaults of the wardens is where the 
Demon Hunter starting area happens anyway. So it's it feels it feels weird almost with them. Like they're just not used quite like like Death Knights were everywhere in Wrath, if that made sense, because it was an expansion about Death Knights. So like they were there, they were present, the NPCs were everywhere, the quests involved them. Here, not not so much with the Demon Hunters, and that's really surprising. Yeah, it's a lot more with elves in a lot of the different areas I found. And, and demon hunters are elves. They're all elves. Yeah. Why can't why can't you work demon hunters into those stories either? Like perfect example is uh, Azuna. When you start to working about like the the Prince Ferrandis and the whole history of how he got cursed and everything that happened there, you have elves in the demon hunter society that were alive during that period of time. Work them into the goddamn quests. Say, I remember when this happened, or here's when this happened, or I remember you. Like, little tiny things like that would make it so much more enjoyable. That's not to say that I didn't enjoy Prince Ferrandis and his, you know, redemption story arc and the reveal of his relationship with Queen Najara and all that type of stuff. But, like, it, it felt sort of a missed opportunity is what it really was to me. I didn't mind the... Um that quest line with him. I thought it was kind of cool. And I liked how there was a lot of, again, a different way of playing. It wasn't, there certainly there was a lot of go kill shit, but there was a lot of just talking to him as well and yes, getting the back backstories. And not everybody wants that. I can appreciate that. And they designed it in such a way that you don't have to go through it, but it certainly was there. And so I really dug that and I enjoyed that. And then with the various quests that he sends you on to where you're following along and then you're getting the information from him as you're moving along, I thought that was, again, very well handled. And then you're getting information about him from other people as well, NPCs, when you're doing quests with them as well. Like when you're doing the, we talked about it again too, the the magic, the the, the, the Academy Academy, yeah. yeah. That was among the best questing in that zone for me. I just thought that was phenomenally intelligent, very well done, and it had some really cool elements that weren't about just going to kill shit. And and I, I kind of dug that. And it gave you more history about each of the the characters that you were dealing with. And I think that, and it, and it applies to each of the zones, but I noticed it more in certain zones. One of the things that I noticed with this expansion more so than the others is that the writers are learning a lot more about how to insert, be it flair or originality or character, in individual NPCs. And so you have a lot more interesting dialogue with them, be it just their regular dialogue or stuff that goes a little bit deeper, that is far more in the voice of the character. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, where all orcs pretty much sound the same, all of this group sounds the same and whatnot, and it's very generic, I found a lot more individuality, and I really, really dug that as it pertained to the writing. What yeah, about the, you, MP- the NPCs feel a little more weighty than yeah. they have in the past, yeah. Not... She's still eating. She's eating her fries now. I know it. I am, no, she might be wrestling. I, she might be wrestling with her pet. I don't know. <laughs> the fries were the first thing I ate. Of course. <laughs> it's Chick Fil A. You can't. Anyway, um, I don't know. I, I, were you I, even you know? listening to us? You had us on mute. No. <laughs> I mean, I would mute us too. Let's be. <laughs> Azuna was actually one of my least favorite zones. Really? I felt like that one was kind of like, 
incomplete and didn't I, I because I did that one right after Valshara, so I was expecting, you know, some cut scenes like I had in Valshara, and it, I, I felt kind of let down by it because there wasn't really a cut scene. And while I enjoyed that quest with, uh, for Andris, for I can never Rondis. pronounce his name. Thank you. Um, like, I really enjoyed that quest line. I felt like it was kind of like a meh thing after he sees like a uh, lady or queen of shara it, it, it was just kind of like okay we're done with that and i was like well like there could have been so much more here so i don't know eh. see yeah, i actually didn't have it didn't have that big of a payoff compared to some of the other zones yeah i will i will i will I'll, i can sign on for that and they could have done so much more with it because i feel like queen of shara has a big tie in lady vash who i'm really 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 hoping we see because well, she's I'm like sorry, the big bad of ever you, you realize we murdered her, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I can get you a counselor or something, but we, we murdered the shit out of Lady Vaj. No, no, she's not dead. <laughs> I, I like the zone. I actually, in terms of the, the, all of the zones, Asuna was actually my favorite. I actually thought I enjoyed the questing more. I enjoyed the, the locale more as well. And it's funny because I had originally thought, and again, Joe and I had talked about this, I was not looking forward to a Naga zone because I was going mm-hmm. back to underwater questing kind of shit. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And it doesn't do that. I, The entirety of that zone was really, I liked how it was laid out to a certain degree. I liked the questing. I liked the side questing that you're doing also like with the the night elves brother and sister where you're gonna go and get their parents looking for the ghost parents yeah yeah. i thought that was awesome and you know it's a weird little thing but it was funny and i liked it so what's interesting about that too is in the beta those were actually um the kids of ronin oh really for a little while there's a lot there's a lot of weird npc changes that happen between beta and live and that was one of them where the first time i encountered them it might have been alpha um, they were the elf twins, the half elf twins of uh, Ronan and Verisa. Uh, Verisa. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then they changed them and gave them their own storyline, which I thought was intriguing because I don't know what the fuck is happening with the twins. And I thought that was kind of cool originally. And it's like, oh, we're going to get to see what happened with them. And then they changed it. And then we were, you know, not saying that the the new characters aren't good. I thought they were hilarious. And they interacted just like a brother and sister I yeah. thought would. Yeah. Um, because that's the way me and my sister interact. We're very antagonistic with each other. And so I'm, I was just really confused why they had changed it. The same thing happened in High Mountain, though, too. We'll get to High Mountain in, in a minute. Yeah. Before we leave Azuna, though. <laughs> That's where there's the Pokemon challenge. <laughs> where you are the Pokemon. Where this was one of the best quests in the entirety of the Broken Isles, as far as I'm concerned, is was Pokemon. The, I thought that was hysterical. I thought that it was a really good implementation of the mechanics of Pokemon, of throwing them into battle. And the, all that was missing was a I choose you line thrown by the, 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 the ogre or whatever the fuck those things are. Giant, yeah. yeah. But I thought that was hysterical. I, the entirety of the quest leading up to it, I didn't realize that's what it was going to be. I was just expecting another brawler kind of thing. And then when you get there and you're doing it, you're going, Oh my God. <laughs> this is fucking so awesome. I have to admit that I had myself muted just now and I went, Oh, cause I didn't get it. 
You didn't get what? <laughs> oh, you didn't realize that's what it was I when you did it? I didn't realize I was supposed to be the Pokemon. I'm like, this is kind of a weird quest line. And I'm the Pokemon, like, age demographic here, okay? Like, I grew Hey, up hey, there's no Pokemon. age demographic for Pokemons. <laughs> I was a kid when Pokemons were out. How about that? <laughs> I, I had kids Go when they were, came out, so I played it with my kids. I actually, I still have some of the cards. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I thought that was hysterical. I, I absolutely actually I my only disappointment was that it was over way too fast. It would have been nice to have a couple of rounds kind of thing. That would have been awesome. <laughs> but even at what it was, it was cool. Okay, let's move on then to High Mountain. Joe, why don't you give us a rundown of what happens there? So High Mountain is no we had a comic for it, and it's the hammer of Kazgoroth is essentially taken by the Underking and this act actually splits the tribes of the high mountain torrent apart where they each try to go and just be like, I'll deal with this in my own. You know, you're the, the main high chief was killed. The, this artifact, this pillar of creation that was gifted to us by the Titans to watch over was stolen. I don't have any more faith in high mountain. And that's the setup. And that was what the comic was about. Uh, which was free. You can go read it on the Warcraft website. That's it, worth it. It's worth reading as far as I'm concerned. But you're here in the midst of uh, Kayla High Mountain, or yeah, Mela High Mountain, excuse me. And she's trying to live up to her father's legacy and trying to get the tribes to come back under the banner of High Mountain, which is, you realize, not just the name of the mountain, but it's their collective that they named the tribe after one of their ancestors' home, High Mountain. And so your job is to go forth and do menial tasks for all the heads of the the tribes, save them from whatever ill is happening to them, and then bring them back to High Mountain. It is a little bit cliche as far as the, the type of questing that it goes there. A little bit. <laughs> but I do enjoy it. I also enjoy the fact that the main room inside of High Mountain is a giant drum that you can jump on and make drum noises. Um, so if you haven't done that, that's fun. And it I changes actually pitch didn't realize based, that. And it changes pitch based on where you're standing, too. That's funny. It was a nice <laughs> little touch. Uh, but it's it's for me, it's really great because it's the first time a torn story has been told in a very long time since Warcraft 3. We haven't really had a torn story since then. We also got to see here um, through the uniting of the history, uh, the uniting of the High Mountain tribes, the history of the High Mountain tribes, and particularly Halm High Mountain, who was a Torin who fought against the Legion way back when during the, you know, the first war, War of the Ancients, and actually was a non-elf, one of the few non-elves to receive a blessing of one of the Ancients. In this case, Malorn, and that's why you, in his descendants. Uh, and only his bloodline have those moose antlers as a result of it. And I thought that was kind of cool because Torn are one of those races where they've always been sort of like the sidecar project. They've been the sidekick. They they, they kind of tag along, but they've never really had their moment. And we've had a few like standout quests like Sunwalker Desco and and some of that stuff. But as a race, they've never really been highlighted. And I know that the some other races are going to feel that as well, like gnomes and whatnot. But when it comes to Torin, we've never understood why they were important. And that's what this zone does. It says this is why they were important. This is what they were to Azeroth as a whole. 
like elves, we know what they've done. They've destroyed the world. They've saved the world. They've destroyed the world. We know what humans have done. We know what dwarves have done. Like, so that was cool to me. Um, the other thing was the one of the more important characters, uh, Ebonhorn, the spirit walker, was introduced, um, which this was also an NPC swap because in the alpha, originally it was Rathion. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Now, the so it wouldn't I, have been a surprise then. It wasn't, but it was more along the more along the lines of originally feeding into the whole Rathion when he ate the heart of uh, Leishen and got the the Titan memories and disappeared. This is where he went. Now we haven't seen Rathion yet. We know he's kicking around somewhere, but now we know Rathion has a brother, um, and that's what Ebonhorn is. During this entire quest line. You're going through and Ebonhorn's teaching you about the history of Halm, uh, the history of uh, Neltharion and, you know, the his people living with Neltharion because High Mountain was where Neltharion lived. That was his place. Uh, you actually go through the layer of Neltharion for questing and you do a whole dream. Se- like, I don't want to say dream sequence, but um, you go through like these spirit walking quests where you actually experience the the past. And then at the end of it, you see where Halm who was actually the person who drove Neltharion out of High Mountain after he had become Deathwing, had actually used the Hammer of Kazgaroth to get rid of him. You feel, you see that Ebonhorn is the last survivor of that clutch that Holm spared. He is the, one of the last pure black dragons that have been untainted by corruption and has pledged his life to the High Mountain tribe. And it was a really cool reveal to me when they did that, and I liked the way that they went with it. I actually like it better than if it had been Rathion, because it feels a little more genuine, because you're like, why the fuck does a black dragon care about Torin? It's like, well, because they were ra- he was raised by Torin. He doesn't know his dragon heritage really at all. He knows that his father was batshit crazy and wanted to destroy the world, and here is this Torin who could have ate him that raised him and brought him in as a tribe member. It's also cool for me because you never see uh, dragons shapeshift into anything other than fucking elves or humans. And here There's you have Chromie. Chromie. <laughs> That's Chromie. right. Chromie doesn't count. Shut the <laughs> fuck up. What's Chromie the matter with you? Chromie is, Chromie is a rarity. Name another gnome. That's what makes her special. That's the and point that, she's making, what, that there's not enough Ebonhorn, of everybody else. And that's what makes Ebonhorn special, because he's the only one that chooses the well, limousine. You're going to slam on freaking Chrome because she's the I only one that we're going to slam on Ebonhorn hey, as Torrens well. Want, Torrens like to punt gnomes. It's not my fault, okay? It's just, Man, na- it's just nature. Fucking mean-ass bastard. Okay, did you actually play through uh, High Mountain at all? Not. I did. Um... It was the third zone I did. Um, I felt it was a little, like, long because you're going to get all these different uh, tribes and stuff, and it just felt a little kind of dragged out. But I really liked the uh, Ebonhorn story. Like, it, it, I was like, I, I never did anything alpha, beta, whatever. So I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. It's a black dragon. That's awesome. Um, and I also like that he shaped shifts into a tauren because we need more Torin. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though, now. Um, when you're thinking about the entirety of the questing in that zone, were you of the same mind as I, wherein that 
little bit of questing with Ebonhorn. Quite literally, pretty much just in that little cave was the only spectacular thing in the entirety of the zone. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I did get a big laugh out of the do you even lift brawl guys. Yeah, the the cave trolls I think are hysterical. They're they're a great comedic relief. Yeah. Yeah. Like the dude that's the dude that's walking around like fist bump me, bro. Like like yeah. I thought that was hilarious. The problem is is that you're talking about Joe how like we haven't had really a torn an epic story for Torin. And it's true, we really haven't. But I don't think this was it. You know, no, because when you... stuff, I think the Holm stuff was. I think, I think that the stuff, yes, but there wasn't nearly enough of it. Same with the Ebonhorn. It was very, very short. The zone was made up largely with, like you said, very minor questing to help people to fucking throw fish back in the river like i'm all for coming up with original something that's not just killing shit but come on throwing fish in a river i don't and know the, roger man you're i mean you what do you want from them like i don't want to kill 10 rats but i don't want to save 10 fish i mean you're just man, <laughs> yeah 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 i did enjoy the cult like the cult quests like what what the blo- um blood horns the blood uh, yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, I did enjoy that little area mainly because uh, I still remember this. We're walking across a bridge. You and the NPC are walking across the bridge, and he goes, "I got a bad feeling about this," and I'm like, "Oh, this is—he's gonna die." And that's like the main thing I remember about that quest line. Yeah. See, I felt unfortunately that there were a couple of spectacular moments that were very, very cool, but overall. The zone was far from epic, and I felt that not only was the questing far from epic, but it made you feel like far less of a hero and much more of a low-level ambassador, you know, just going and trying to bring people together, certainly, but not it just didn't feel like any see, kind of heroic questing. But and at like, this point, that's like what it that. should be. Uh, see, I didn't think so. I see, the reason, the reason I like that, though, is because how often have we done that in-game, if ever? We never do. We just go and murder the shit out of things. Yeah. And, and, like, we're supposed to be these epic, like, you know, heroes of myth and legend and these these icons and uniting tribes or uniting people under that banner or being that, that sort of ambassador, to me comes with sort of that flavor of being that type of hero. So I actually enjoy the fact that they did that a little bit here. I think that was a nice touch. See, I think you can have questing where it is about bringing together the tribes, but it could have been done in a much more epic fashion. Sure. And, but I also think that they probably wanted to, and then decided not to. And so that they didn't have to do all the other zones in that same fashion. Yeah, I don't think that holds water because you can look at the questing <laughs> in some of the other zones that is far more epic in scope. And then you get here like Storheim, yeah. and then you're doing stupid, stupid shit. And you're like, well, this is not this is not epic. Seriously, walking grandma from the fucking hut across oh, the bridge. And it's like, will you get a move on woman? Just jump on my back. And then she <laughs> yells at you when you get too far away. Yes. She starts running and you're like, Jesus Christ. Hey, I enjoy the I enjoy the fact that she fended off the birds on her own. I, you didn't have to do that for her. She did that. Yeah. Not impressed. <laughs> so, again, <laughs> the concept of bringing together the tribes into under one umbrella weave in the history of Holm High Mountain as well as Ebonhorn 
yeah, epic. But how they executed on that on many fronts failed for me personally. So you mentioned Stormheim. Let's move on to there. Did you actually go through Stormheim nut? I'm halfway there. I did enough to get friendly to do my world quests <laughs> because, uh, like I said, I'm trying to get up to rating. So I'm trying to catch up with people because I'm behind. Um, I, I'll go back and finish it at some point. And I really want to because I feel like this is finally where I'm going to get a connection as a warrior, where I'm finally going to understand, like, what the fuck is actually going on in my warrior hall and why I'm with the Freckle. Yeah, because uh, freaking Odin made no sense to me. Uh, yeah, he's one of the Titan Watchers. He's one of the original Titan Watchers that were actually placed here. Uh, he's the original overseer of all the Titan Watchers back when Azeroth was ordered, and that's why he's important. Uh, and that is actually something that does come from the Chronicle and some of the stories. Um, but he disliked the fact that the fate of Azeroth essentially was being given to tiny little flesh things, um, the dragons and, and everything else. So he took his toys and went home. And that's where Halls of Valor came in. He, Halls of Valor was originally part of Alduar. He packed it up and went over to Stormheim. He did that because he was, wanted to not... He believed in the purity of his own races, the, Vi, the Vicryl and the Earthen, and those were his. And those are the ones that he felt were going to save the world. At the Racist end of the, bastard. Yeah, hold on a second. That's why if you go into the, the, the Warrior Hall, those are the only NPCs you have. They don't have humans like... You know, King Varian Rin's not there. Why isn't Varian Rin there? He's one of the most badass warriors of all time. He died taking down a fucking, uh, you know, a giant fell creature monstrosity machine single-handedly in combat. Why isn't he in the Halls of Valor? Huh? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Odin, really? Um, But it's important because not only did he do that, but he had this plan, right? Odin had this plan where he was going to have people basically chosen at the time of their glorious death and they were going to be ferried to the halls of valor where they would feast and train until such a time that they would need to be called back to defend Azeroth right so he created the Valkyr here's the problem with that he didn't give the leader of the Valkyr a choice he made Helia do the thing like he forced her into it she was the most powerful witch that he had available and she's the one that put all these you know, blessings and helped him actually move the halls of valor from Alduar to where it was. Like, that's how powerful she is. And then he's like, great, you're going to lead up my Valkyr. You're going to go and choose the slain. She's like, I, I don't want to do that. And, and he's like, too bad. You're going to do it anyway. Zap turns her into what she is now. She and then in turn takes that power and says, all right, fuck you, Odin. <laughs> Trap you in your halls with all of your people. None of you can get out. Suck it. Which is why Odin is so interested in you. Um, yeah, he can kind of sneak out in the Odin fashion, which is where Javi Odin comes in. Yeah. But that's why he's interested in you as a, a champion, because you can come and leave the Halls of Valor. You're not dead. You can do what you need to. You have an eternal soul. You can be his agent in the world, and he can actually orchestrate things in the back end. You are nothing but a puppet to him, a necessary puppet, unless you are happen to be a Varkul or Earthen. He still doesn't like you very much. See, I, it, it still didn't make sense to me. I don't know, not if you were on the same page. Like, when you're doing the questing with Javi, A, I wasn't crazy about the character. They, they tried a little too hard to make him goofy and shit, and it was like, okay, whatever. I mean, he was voiced and by Jim Cummings, for Christ's sake. questing for the fucking food, helping him with food all the time, was annoying uh. as hell, too. And then when you get to the reveal at the end that it's Owen, and I was actually, I was doing that zone with Tristan, my son, and we're like, 
the hell? How does this make sense? What is going on? So if you've gone through the entirety of a zone through the questing and whatnot, and you get to that and you're going, well, that makes no sense. What the hell's going on? You failed. Not you, the player, in, in you, the regard, developers. Yeah. Now, the other Hold side on, yeah, I was talking to Nut there. What did you think, Nut? I actually haven't finished Stormheim, so I didn't know he was Odin. But knowing that and knowing what I've seen of Javi, they seem like completely different sides of the same coin. And I'm kind of upset that it's Odin and not this other, like, you know, ambassador type Freichel. Yeah, because it is a reveal that is supposed to be a big reveal that it's like, oh, my God. And instead it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, well, especially since Odin is so manipulative and he could care less about you like that. That feels like I feel like very like fatherly love from the hobby character. And that feels very off putting to know it's been Odin puppet mastering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Joe. He's going to make you love him and then he's going to not care about you. Daddy. Um, Daddy issues. <laughs> the more important part of the story, though, revolves around Helia. And that's where Stormheim uh, really is kind of an important thing. So one of the things that you're doing here during your questing is you're trying to seek the blessing of the ancient kings, which Javi slash Odin is walking you through in order to get the uh, ages of Agrimar. And you have to have this blessing. You have It's basically an ancient Vicral rite. Um, and you going through and you're talking to these dead things, you're beating the shit out of them and getting them to go, wow, you are a mighty warrior. Yeah, go ahead and have my blessing. And it culminates with this sequence at the end where you're going through what is uh, an area that is actually the gateway to hell. And this is something that plucked straight out of Norse mythology, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, But you wind up getting shoved into hell. But because you're not dead, you can't be um, judged. So you are stuck there until you get basically prove that you have to get out. So you have to strike a deal with hell yet. Now, the, if you're Horde, one of the things that you've been doing this entire time is trying to find out what the fuck happened to Sylvanas. Because her ship, her area, she was going to Stormheim specifically for the Valkyrie. She goes missing after Jen Greymane and his goons to do their thing. And you find her in Helheim, of all places. And when you are in Helheim and you wind up going up to, to Helia and you go to try to make a deal... You find out that Sylvanas has already struck a deal with Helia and has actually been given a special item. So you Sylvanas goes, yeah, this is my champion, or I don't know how it plays out on the Alliance side, so I'm sorry. I haven't done that there. But she goes, yeah, this is my champion. We're getting the hell out of here. Peace out. And as you're leaving, Helia goes to Sylvanas, don't forget our deal. After that, what winds up happening is, yeah, you find out Sylvanas was given this the Lantern of Souls, basically the thing that Charon uh, fairies souls with, to subjugate the Light Valkyr. Because what happened is Helia took her toys and went home and went to Helheim when Odin was being a, a bastard. And Odin's been making Light Valkyr this entire time. He's been raising champions from the, the Vicru women and saying, yeah, you're going to be uh, you're going to be new choosers of the, uh, of the slain and you're going to come work for me and you're going to be all light and, and shiny and shit. And Hel- and Helia's like, I got the dark ones. They're, they're mine. They're, these are the originals. And you find out that this is also the deal that Sylvanas originally made with the Valkyr and the whole bringing like making the forsaken a thing still. This was all done through Helia. Like, this is all a deal she's been having going on, apparently. 
so then you have this big sequence and one of the more beautiful uh, cutscenes actually. Oh yeah, where <laughs> you have Sylvanas subjugating um, Ayer, I believe is her name, and out of the shadows comes Jen Greymane seeking vengeance. He is and this, not happy. He is not happy. Is I mean, really well, I mean, she happy. did murder his son, and you know, he blames her for Varian's death. And get over it, Greymane. You know. I mean, he's also a dog and wants to chew bones. I mean, it's, it's a natural thing. But this beautiful sequence unfolds and this beautiful combat unfolds and it's really well animated. The visuals are fantastic. I can honestly watch an entire movie done in that style and I'd be a fucking happy camper. And at the end of it, you see Sylvanas shot him with the black arrow. And so he's he's infected at this point with one of her poisons, which we don't know what happens with him yet. But he got the lantern and crushed it releasing the Valkyr from uh, her sway. And now she has to figure out what the hell she's going to do because now she has no more Valkyr to A, bring her back from the dead, which in the past, if you've done any of the questing, uh, the Valkyr have basically sacrificed themselves to bring her back to unlife. Um, And then she has very few left. So now she's kind of in this middle of like, "Eh, yeah, what do I do? But it's one of those really cool sequences. And then from there, you wind up going into the Halls of Valor because Odin's like, yeah, I got shit on my front step. Can you go clear it out for me? And see, that's where (laughs) as I'm playing through the different zones, I'm still trying to tie it into how it all started. And with the, you know, the initial questing with when you go to the Broken Isles, and you fight on either side and then you retreat back kind of thing, but, and then you're sent back in my mind. Again, there's all of this is supposed to tie into that as an expansion. And yet in each of the zones, the tie often is by a very thin small thread. thread. And, and that bothers me immensely. It's yeah. You, you came up with these, these good ideas for, different quest lines or different things that you wanted to accomplish in those zones with characters and whatnot, but it doesn't tie in with the goddamn storyline. Like again, I don't know if you felt the same way, nut, but as I'm playing through each of these zones, with the exception of the, the, the times when you're obviously you're fighting Legion characters and whatnot, it's like, what's the tie here? What's the, what's, how is this going to, continue that story that we started with the demons coming through and Gul'dan coming through kind of thing. Yeah. And I feel that way, but at the same time, like I hold out enough hope that they're going to release new zones, um, to kind of link it all together. Um, because it does feel kind of fractured, um, and some stuff it's it's very like wait so how is this gonna fit in like as as much as I love the Valkyr and stuff like I, now that I know what's going on with Helia like I think that's freaking awesome and I'm excited to go do Mauve Souls and crap but um I, like some of it I'm kind of like well cool and High Mountain it just kind of feels like uh so how are we gonna tie the the high mountain tribe into everything exactly yeah when you get to the end of of high mountain and she's saying how okay we're all under the high mountain umbrella essentially kind of thing and welcome aboard and you get the reveal for for ebonhorn or whatnot it's like okay well i'm 
assuming once again that this is being tied back by way of either dungeons or raids. And I'll say right off the bat, I actually haven't done any dungeons yet. I've been just doing the um, the, the 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 questing and whatnot. And I've queued I'll up for you. I've quested oh. a few times. Uh, sorry, I've I've queued up a few times, but the wait was way 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 too long i, I will tank for you we are if in the same you, guild I, oh, yeah. See, if only you knew a tank and a healer that could help you with instant q pop time. Shit. i'm i am a Aww. tank on my fucking guardian that hasn't made a difference it wasn't instant q the, the the times when i queued up on my my guardian were you queuing, well you know this is gonna sound weird were you queuing for an a uh, specific dungeon or were you queuing for just a random? random so here's a weird bug um, this is something we just happen to notice collectively, and I think they're kind of working out in the background. When you queue for a random, the queue time is infinitely higher than if you queue for a specific one by a magnitude of like 70. It's there's some bug where it's going through and like trying to match people as best as possible to level gear and uh progression. And so when it's doing that, it takes longer. Whereas if you queue for a specific uh dungeon, it basically instant pops for you for even DPS. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, <laughs> if you need to do a random, you need to bring a healer. Like that's the only way you can get it to pop quicker. Okay. Anyway, so let's move away from there. Okay, last one, Surmar. So Joe, oh, yeah. you're the Surmar's, only one that's tackled Sur- this one. Oh my God, Surmar is absolutely... It is one of the most beautiful and most decrepit zones that I've ever experienced. Uh, you want to talk about zones that feel big. Suramar is one of those zones that feels big. Uh, there, Not only is there the ancient city of Suramar, which is that big white and, and purple zone or city that you fly over uh, from Dalaran, where Dalaran is parked just off the coast of it. Um, it's the entire area. There's an, an entire ancient civilization. There's ruins everywhere. There's a system of tunnels and temples all over the place, hidden everywhere in this land. And it feels absolutely massive. The city itself where the nightfallen live is probably one of the most gorgeous constructions I have seen in an MMO as far as cities go. And I'm not seeing that lightly. It is multi-tiered, multi-leveled. It actually feels like a living city. Almost every building you can go into uh, or feels like you can go into. Um, there are it, it looks like they actually sat down. And, and I appreciate this as somebody who went to college for architecture. It actually looks like they sat down with somebody who understood city planning and built a fucking city. And this is something that we've been looking for forever since Vanilla back in the days of getting to old ancient Iron Forge so you could see the old setup. Like, this is that type of level of intricacy, and it's absolutely gorgeous the way that everything plays off each other, the way that all the NPCs interact. There are families and children running all over this place, and there's a complicated story going on here about the power struggles within the Nightfallen society. Because if you've read the comic that was free on the website, you understand that. They have the Nightwell, which was something that they had uh, way back when because they said, I'm not siding with Queen Ishzara. I'm not doing any of this stuff, but the Legion's coming or the world's going to explode. The world's ending. Fuck it. Let's put up a barrier and just kind of be on our own. The barrier cut them off from the sun and the moon. So they needed to find another way to sustain themselves. So the Night Elves wound up feeding off of the magic of the Nightwell. Over time, they became the Nightfallen. They became absolutely supreme uh, beings of arcane intellect and ability, but at a cost. They are absolutely, like the Blood Elves were, a, 
I wouldn't say just addicted to magic. They require it to live. Without it, they become zombies, essentially. They become withering husks that you'll find where people have been exiled from the city. Uh, You'll find them as empty husks out in the world. And there is a resistance out there that you wind up kind of siding with and bringing back from the brink of insanity in order to try to overthrow the city because the magistrate and the higher ups have sided with the Legion. So not only do you have these sections of the city where absolutely gorgeous and they feel like living cities, but you go like three blocks over and there's demons walking through the streets with night fallen. And you can see how this sort of, it's almost like dystopic in a way, right? This absolutely gorgeous city with everything the citizens can possibly want inside of its boundaries but at a cost of being under this overseer. And it's, I think it's well done as far as how they present that story and how you uncover it. And there's lots of cool little cutscenes and sequences as you start making uh, foraging runs into the city itself. And there's also a cool, I, I think it's awesome, a disguise mechanic. Um, one of the first things that happens when you start breaching the city is you meet up with uh, somebody from the inside who's like, yeah, I want, I, we need a regime change. Things need to change. But we need to hide your appearance. They're not going to, if they see an outsider, you're going to die. So you wind up going to a masquerade ball. And of course, because these are supreme arcane beings, all of their costumes are these magic constructs that they've, they've made of various fantasy creatures or things of myth. And you get one of them. Well, here's the other, here's, here's sort of the, the trick of that. You can also sort of adopt the appearance of another NPC. And that's essentially what you do. You kidnap somebody. You kidnap somebody who's part of this society that's keeping all these people down and you beat the shit out of him and then you take his place and you can roam through the city almost freely. Uh, There are certain things that can observe or sense like, quote unquote, disturbances in the force and will oust you from your your, uh, little disguise. But it's kind of cool because when you're in it, you can just walk around the city and see how beautiful it is. It's probably one of my favorite zones. I have taken so many screenshots. It is not funny. Little breakfast nooks, terraces that you can find that overlook the city, watching the sunset and the sun sunrise from this area, how the night sky plays over it, how everything just like, how the colors transition. It is absolutely gorgeous. Now, this is sort of the ending area where you start to do a lot of your like artifact power farming. But there is also a story here where you are not only working to subvert their or basically work against this government and free the people. And you do free the people. You actually have this little foothold base camp in the ancient ruins of uh, not too like a little bit away from the city uh, where an ancient city had basically fallen below the, the mountains you're actually ferrying survivors back and forth from the city. You're getting families out. And as you complete quests, this area that you're building actually builds up. These NPCs come and they sit there. You can see them in the tunnels. You can see them, you know, trying to carve whatever little space they can, like these refugees that you're taking from the city and keeping from death. And I thought that was a nice touch. But you're also doing something else. This is where druids come into play a little bit too. There's this thing called the Arkendor, and it's a uh, basically it's like a world tree almost, but an arcane world tree. And it feeds off of ley line energy and sort of converts it into life energy. 
you're trying to cultivate this in order to cure the nightfallen of this basically dependency on magic so that they're not becoming these desiccated husks of what they used to be. You're essentially bringing them back to being night elves. You're curing this curse that they imposed upon themselves. And it's, I think it's really well done. The voice acting, I think is cool. And everywhere you go, there are a ton of little quests here and there uh, that are in the area, not just like main quest line, but little breadcrumb things or little, little tiny mini story arcs that tell you about the areas, tell you about like what this area used to be in night of society tells you about how this related to Queen Ishzara and why Queen Ishzara might be interested in this place again now that the barrier is down. Suramar is probably my favorite place in this entire game. If you're looking at it um, in terms of the, the questing, is it actually tying in elements of the other zones yes. to wrap up a little bit? Yes. Okay. There's little there's little things here and there where you can see where they're starting to come around. Like one of the one of the druids from Val Shirah, uh that escaped the initial corruption thing you actually interacted with is the one that tells you about the Arkandor um, stuff like that. And I'm I'm barely into the zone as far as story goes, um, but there's already been touches of like Azuna and and some high mountain stuff uh, that kind of touch here. So. There, this seems to be the melting pot or what they're going to kind of push as this is what everything was built for. So, okay. What was where the fifth pillar of creation is apparently? <laughs> what you haven't obviously reached Suramar yet? Not, I've been there because you need to get friendly to start doing your world quests. Um, and I will readily admit that I have a thing against elves. They are not my favorite. I am so over elves. They are so overdone in fantasy in general. And ugh, elves. <laughs> that has been many a Twitter discussion before. Um, uh, hey, now. Yeah, it's true. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. I'm kind of torn on zone. Like I like the story, but like I'm underwhelmed by the architecture because yay, more elf architecture and, and yeah, but you I knew really that going in like it. I, I really, really want to like it. And I think n- knowing that there are breadcrumbs from the other zones that kind of play into it, I think I'll like it more going forward. But so far I'm so totally overwhelmed. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I need the artifact power and I want to finish the story and I want to get flying whenever it comes out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's another thing that once again, it's I know that we've argued about this in the past, but it's one of those things that pisses me off that I hate that you have to wait for flying until they decide, OK, now you you, you kids have been good. We're going to let you fly now. I fucking hate that bullshit. I still haven't gotten it in Draenor. So. I haven't bothered in Draenor either because I'm never going back to that fucking place unless I have to. That's why. <laughs> so I will no because I want all the quests and achievements because I have to get the quests and achievements. Nah. But nah. Okay, so what are some of the standout moments that you have had so far then? Overall or? Joe's been talking enough. <laughs> Seriously, now's your time to shine. Don't let us down. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I uh, Like, Valshara really hit home for me um, overall. And 
I loved the cutscenes there, and it was the one zone, one of two zones that I actually had emotional reactions to. Like, um, after Sarah gets corrupted, I literally was, like, bawling. I had to step away from the computer <laughs> and go do chores because I was like, I fucking hate you, Blizzard, because she is my favorite dragon ever, and I can't believe you fucking did that to her, and how could you? And And I was so angry. Like, and when a story gets you feeling that way, like you feel more invested in it. So I felt very vested in Val Shirah because I was so angry and then so sad and, and like forlorn after we had to kill her and we had no fucking choice in it. Um, and High Mountain also sort of did that to a degree for me um, because I, I have a thing for dragons, I will admit. So I'm sure that's part of it. Who doesn't? Um, dragons are fucking awesome. This man. is what I'm saying. <laughs> and I loved like seeing the Ebonhorn like and and how he's like almost like this this redemption for the Black Dragonflight um because he's been with these fairly selfless people for so long and and he's been a part of that line um and and that kind of like felt really good aside from the fact that like as a as a Torin I finally had a fucking story. <laughs> I liked uh, High Mountains handling of the dragon with Ebonhorn, especially because it was a little bit different than what we have seen thus far. Whereas you get to Stormheim and it's the same bullshit. Once again, you got to save this pack of dragons and then you got to go over here and save this pack of dragons. And then they're going to want to help you. And we've, done that a number of times already fucking dragons can't take care of themselves yeah and i so- don't know how i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> they have so- fucking teeth we are the most powerful things. things in all creation save us save us like, <laughs> they put shackles on me come on <laughs> motherfuckers but yeah i i i felt that like when i got into stormheim and then you're looking at the the, the dragon quest line and i'm thinking oh cool this will be cool plus i like the new look of them i was like okay this will be fun and then it's like the same bullshit we've done time and time again right to the point of flying on one and dropping shit on packs and it's like good lord we've done that how many times throughout how many expansions now so I I was disappointed, and, and luckily Ebonhorn really redeemed them for that aspect. But otherwise, the shit with the, the dragons thus far from what I've seen, unless there's a lot better shit in Suramon for that or Suramar for that, has really been underwhelming overall. I found. Insert cricket sound here. <laughs> All right. So, how much uh, dungeon stuff have you actually done so far, Nut? Um, I've done Neltharian's Lair, I've done, uh, I have Ashara, um, and one more, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, Dark Heart, Thicket, Dark Heart, Dark, whatever, Thicket. Um, I want to get through them all, uh, at some point, obviously, but I just haven't had the time because I've been trying to catch up to all the stuff you need to do to get into stupid heroics. So I'll, I'll see them all when I do them as heroics, but it's just kind of been a process. What did you think of the ones that you did do? Um, I hadn't done as uh, as Zuna when I did Ivas Chara, so it was kind of underwhelming and confusing the first time I did it. And right. and that's something that 
I experienced in Draenor too because I didn't know what the hell was going on with the story. So I was kind of like, these dungeons are weird and I don't understand what's going on and why these are the bad guys and oh yay, I killed things. So I kind of felt that way um, for I have Shara and Neltharian, uh, Neltharian's Lair when I first did them because I hadn't done the zones yet. Um, but I did do Valshara before I got into the thicket and I really liked the, the story tie-in. Um, and, and I like that they do extend the story, but I also don't like that they extend the story. Um, as someone who's a lore fiend, like I feel lucky that I have a guild that will like help carry my ass through things if I want to go see the story. Um, so I, I feel lucky in that regard, but I, I hate that it's gated like behind that because there are some people who just don't group for whatever reason. Um, and, and it's kind of unfair to those people who do like lore and can't get into dungeons and raids for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that. at length. Yeah. Okay. So Joe parting thoughts. I honestly have been having so much fun. This expansion uh, overall, I think it's one of the better ones that they've done. Um, I don't think it's my favorite, but I think it might actually be my second favorite. Okay. Nut? I'm liking it. I'm really enjoying being back. Um, I'm sure the people have something to do with that, uh, but I'm loving the story so far, and, and I'm looking forward to exploring more of it. Yeah. I I will certainly not say that it's my favorite. I, I wouldn't even put it as second favorite. Hell, maybe not even third favorite, to be honest. Well, I mean, you also hate everything, so. I hate a lot of things. You do. Yeah, you you're, are a you're, you're getting higher on that list as the show goes on. <laughs> really? I can go higher than Vince? I don't think that's possible. It, it is, actually, because it's a changing list all the time. Okay, network and f- people find you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at GG Chestnut. That's the easiest way to find me. And your podcast again? Oh, podcast, Wildcast podcast. It's uh, mognation.com. Excellent. Thank you very much for popping by. To, to listen to Joe talk about WoW. It was, <laughs> it was my pleasure. Great having you on the show. And of course, you can find the show notes for this at For The Lore. You can find us on iTunes or on Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter at For The Lore. Individually, that's a hard word to say. Individually, Joe is Loaders at J. I am Zen Buddhist. Vince is Simodian, and he might be back next week. But if not, we've got a guest lined up anyways. Because we'll be talking about... Anyway. What's that? So we take the guest anyway. Oh, we're taking the guest anyways. In fact, even if he says he's available, I may say fuck you. <laughs> we, no, we can have him. We can have him on, but just keep him muted the entire time. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> That'd that's be terrible. hysterical. That's but yeah, Sushi Geisha, who we've had on the show before, is going to be on the show, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of shit from the Tokyo Game Show. So that should be a lot of fun. So with that, we will let you go again. Chestnut, thank you very much for popping by, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.
Totes. Uh, oh, bitch. <laughs> Totes is not a word.